I am Pastor Jeremy Wilbanks, and I am your host for this session. And in this session, we're going to continue our overview of the eras of time in Scripture that we call dispensations. Those of us that hold to a dispensational reading of Scripture, <clears throat> and maybe you could call this uh, viewing dispensations from thirty thousand feet, from way above. We certainly don't have time to get exhaustive, but we do have time to go across the surface of it and let everybody get a good uh, feel, good flavor of what these dispensations are like. Uh, in the previous sessions that we've had together, we've covered the first two dispensations, those being the dispensations of innocence and conscience. Uh, and if you're curious as to some of the details that we covered, I encourage you to go back and look at those sessions and see what that is all about. Uh, in this session, we are going to begin the or begin discussion of the dispensation of human government. Uh, in the dispensation just prior to this, uh, the earth has been destroyed. Every living thing has been destroyed in the flood that we commonly call Noah's flood. And the dispensation of human government involves that man Noah and his family, eight souls, Scripture says, who were saved on the ark. Uh, and this 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 era of time, this dispensation begins with the emergence from the flood by Noah and his family. Um, uh, this is in Genesis chapter eight. If you want to read eight, nine, and ten in particular, is kind of the um, it's kind of the span that really talks about the details of this uh, of this era, the dispensation of human government. Also included in it is chapter eleven. And we will get into that, but that's a, a special thing. In fact, it's probably what we would consider the the high point or the highlighted point of this era of time. Uh, let's begin by reading uh, Genesis chapter 8, verses 14 through 18. And this is kind of a good place to begin talking about the dispensation of human government. This is what it says in the King James Version, Genesis 8, 14. And, and in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month was the earth dried. So you can tell that we are coming out of the flood. The flood is now over and the earth is dry again. In verse 15, and God spake unto Noah saying, uh, go forth uh, of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah, verse 18, and Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. So in this era, uh, in this era, we can see Noah and his family emerging from the flood. And we call this era the dispensation of human government. Uh, and we do it for uh, a number of reasons, but let me just highlight some of them. Uh, one of the one of the most important features that you're going to see that still affects our lives today uh, is the emergence of humanity as being self-governors, uh, at least on a new level than they were previously, self-governors. And that government uh, doesn't just have to do with governing humanity, but also governing uh, and dominating, having dominion over um, the plant life, having dominion over animal life. Um, and the words that are used that God uses to describe 
humanity's dominion, in particular over the animal kingdom. He uses the word fear and dread. God tells uh, Noah, the fear of you and the dread of you will be upon all of the beasts of the field. So the animal kingdom um, is going to fear and dread humanity, and humanity is going to have dominion over them. Uh, let's read Genesis 9, uh, beginning with verse 1, and it kind of gives us a little bit of a flavor of what was going on in the dispensation of human government. And God blessed Noah and his sons, this is verse 1 of chapter 9, and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and the fear of you, here it is, and the fear of you, and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, and upon every fowl of the air, and upon all that moveth upon the earth, and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast, will I require it. And at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require uh, the life of a man. So we're looking at the beginnings of what we could call judicial exercise. Uh, humanity is now supposed to exercise, um, they're supposed to exercise dominion over the animal kingdom, but they're also supposed to exercise government over themselves. And the, the most heinous crime, and still is today, the most heinous crime is that of one human being taking the life of another human being. And so judicial exercise is given, and uh, the term that we use for it today is capital punishment. Um, so if a human being, this begins in the dispensation of human government, if a human being uh, murders another human being, then capital punishment, as we would call it today, is in order. And humanity is expected to exercise that judicial authority that they have. This is highlighted and spoken uh, by God expressly in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, which is where we left off. And this is what it says, whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed for in the image of God made he man. So God is made in the image of God. And the most heinous thing <clears throat> that can happen is for another human being to take the life of, or for a human being to take the life of another human being. This is the most heinous thing. And God says, if that happens, if that happens, um, certainly in a purposeful manner, if that takes place in a purposeful way, then it is humanity's responsibility to exercise capital punishment uh, in retribution for uh, the murder of a human being that is made in the image of God. So uh, humanity is to rule over the animal kingdom and humanity is to rule over one another. Um, this era will, uh, will end with God's judgment on the people of the earth. Um, and leading up to that judgment, leading up to that judgment is probably... Well, not probably. It is the uh, it is the feature element of the dispensation of human government. That is, in particular, uh, chapter eleven of the book of Genesis, and uh, even people that have just a very brief encounter with Scripture and have read the book of Genesis, they are aware of the of the things that happen at the Tower of Babel. Uh, this the Tower of Babel is going to be the failure 
of uh, of the human of the dispensation of human government. Um, now, let me back up for just a second. Each one of these dispensations is going to uh, God's going to give a promise in these dispensations. And when Noah and his family come off of the ark, they emerge out of the flood. They come off of the ark. The promise that God gives to them, and you can read about this in chapter eight. The promise that God gives to them is that he will never again destroy the earth with a flood. And then there are certain stipulations that they are supposed to keep. And we've talked about some of them, uh, but I'm never going to destroy the earth with a flood, God says. And uh, so they get a promise at the very beginning and they're supposed to behave themselves in a certain way. And they're supposed to worship God and worship God exclusively but we find by the time we get to chapter 11 that the feature element of the dispensation of human government is the failure of humanity at the Tower of Babel. And it is the famous, um, or perhaps we could say infamous, uh, development of a city. The people say, let go to and let us build us a city. Let us make us a name for ourselves. Let us build us a tower. Uh, and all of this is important. There's technically nothing wrong with building a city. Uh, there's technically nothing wrong with building a tower. Um, this is, uh, the problem with all of this is this, this is not just the tower of Babel is not just building a tower. Uh, it's not just building some kind of a monument and it's certainly not a monument to God, but in Genesis chapter 11, uh, and if you, if you don't look into this, maybe you can skip right over it and miss it. Uh, but in Genesis chapter 11, we see the establishment, uh, the launch, the initiation, the inauguration, perhaps, of all false religions in the world. All false religions in the world begin in Genesis chapter 11. The two primary figures that are in Genesis chapter 11 are Nimrod and his mother Simramis, but Nimrod is known by name in Genesis. They are the worshipped figures there. Uh, there's a lot that goes into the study of Nimrod and Semiramis, his mother, um, to the extent that Nimrod was supposed to have been killed uh, by a boar. He was a hunter. And then he was supposed to have been resurrected. And his mother encouraged the worship of Nimrod. And this was how they kept the people, uh, well, it kept them worshiping them and kept them in control. So the two big figures, uh, Nimrod and Semiramis, Nimrod by name in Genesis 11, uh, you can read about him. And this is, they build this tower and it is the establishment of all false religions in the world, even the religions that are going on today that are false religions. And so God is not just, um, he's not afraid that they're going to reach heaven in a literal sense. When they, when they climb up the top of this tower, they're not going to get close to an upward realm, uh, at least certainly not a physical one, but they are trying to reach heaven in a, a maybe we could say a spiritual sense um, by the establishment of false religions. Uh, you can read about some of those false religions um, in, in the book of Ephesians, um, or excuse me, not in the book of Ephesians, but in the city of Ephesus. Uh, the Ephesians worshipped Diana, who was supposed to have been a development uh, that came out of uh, false worship in at the Tower of Babel. Uh, probably one of the most spectacular places, uh, or the most spectacular place, where we get back in touch 
with what was going on at the Tower of Babel. You can read about it in the book of Revelation chapter 17, when God brings down, uh, when God brings down the cult of Babylon, uh, that is called Mystery Babylon. Uh, let me just read this to you. Um, we will see that we're we're getting a glimpse of Babel all the way at the end, all the way at the close uh, of everything. God's kingdom is being established. And this is what it says. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color. He's describing a great harlot and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So that which begins in small form, that which begins in uh, minuscule size in Genesis 11, has become something that is gigantic and that fills the earth. In fact, the... the uh, uh, in the city of Ephesus, and you can read about Paul, where they cried, for, what was it, for the space of two hours, they cried, great is uh, Diana of the Ephesians, uh, who all of Asia worships and the whole world. Uh, this is all, this all gets started in the dispensation of human government at the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel will be the key or the large feature that we see in the dispensation of human government. This dispensation will end. There's a couple of different ways to look at it. And I'm okay with both. I understand both. And maybe maybe this is how we are supposed to understand a dispensational reading of scripture. Uh, but this dispensation will end with God's judgment at the Tower of Babel and the confounding of the languages of humanity and the dividing from there. Uh, and it also will include, in my opinion, the it, it is both the end and the launch of the sec of the next dispensation. It will also include the call of Abraham, and it will be counter to everything that they wanted to do in Babel: make a name for themselves, build a city, reach unto heaven with a tower. Uh, when you get to Genesis chapter twelve, the whole world is going to change, and God is going to call Abraham, and He's going to say to Abraham, I will make your name great. And I will, you, you're going to look for a city whose builder and maker is God. And you are going to be how, how people there's, it's not going to be a tower, but you are going to be how people get to me. Uh, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And through you shall all families of the earth be blessed. This is an important thing that we understand the dispensation of human government. It's, it's massive. There are things that affect our life even to this day. And uh, we live with both the blessings that God poured out there that reached to us. And uh, we, we live, we all have divided languages. That's, a, that's at least one feature that we can see that we still live with out of the dispensation of human government. So when we come together again and we look at the next dispensation, it will be the dispensation of promise, sometimes called the dispensation of the patriarchs. And it begins with the call of Abraham. And this is God moving uh, his plan forward. And I'm excited about looking for uh, looking into it, and I look forward to you doing it with us. God bless you. We'll see you then.